0: passage today picks up in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, now notice this is after Terah's death, another translation says then the Lord. So generational promises only passed after death. Let me say that again. Generational promises only pass after death. And from everything I can see, Terah was called first to the land of Canaan but remember, he stopped at Haran yesterday. So now he's dead. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. All right, so part of the command was your country. Part of it was your kindred. Those are all of your distant relatives. And part of it is your father's house. He said, leave all of that and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. And notice God said, this is his work. So Abram, you are not a nation builder. God is a nation builder. And this is something we need to remember, okay? Everything we build in life isn't because of what we have done. It is what God has done. We're we're just a tool that God uses. God said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. And make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, notice, these are things God said, I will do. So God said, I will make you a great nation. God said, I will bless you. Thirdly, God said, I will make your name great. And then purpose so that you will be a blessing. Now, notice this. Threefold promise to Abraham. God said, I'll make you as one person into a great nation. God said, I will bless you. God said, I will make your name great. So notice, these are things that God does. These are not things that we do, okay? Abraham was not a good marketer. Abraham was not, this is not branding, all right? This is not personal branding. This is not self-promotion. I mean, at some point, every believer has got to come to a place where you realize it's not your job to make your name great. It is God's job to make your name great. Okay, so please stop with all this, forgive me, arrogant self-promotion. I mean, please, let's just, let's just do and be what God called us to do and be. And if God chooses to give us a great name in the earth, that's God's choice. And then he says, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is, of course, fulfilled in Jesus. We saw that in the book of Romans, all right? But now notice, these are all things God said he was going to do. Now, again, please, self-promotion and self-development is not something that God is a part of. Now, no, we don't just lay back and you know lay on our bed and watch, eat, fool God, and think that you know God's going to do everything. We've got to work hard too. But it's God's blessings that will make our name great. It is God who will take care of our enemies. He said, "Those who bless you," He said, "I'm going to bless." He said, "Those who dishonor you." And notice that word dishonor. People who go around and try to destroy your name because God's wanting to give you a good name. Those who try to destroy your name, God said, "I will curse." But again, notice twice, blessed to be a blessing. I like that. So all of the wonderful things that God does within our lives. And, you know, these promises to Abraham are ours. I mean, we have to remember that. The promises to Abraham are ours, according to what Paul teaches us. So understand we are blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed to to just accumulate wealth. We're not just given a great name to you know, for the sake of us having a great name. We're not famous for the purpose of being famous. God said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. So Abram went, and as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Oh, here's tremendous problems beginning in Abram's life, all right? And Lot went with him. Now, that is a complete violation of two and three. All right, so two and three are violated here. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. Okay, there's a problem. And all their possessions they had gathered, and all the people they had acquired in Haran. now You know, we don't like this, but people they had acquired. All right, I mean, the, these were slaves, and we don't like that concept, but it was a different world than, all right, people they had acquired. I mean, even just to read, that bugs me, all right? But it was a different world then. And you also have to understand that there wasn't really employment opportunities in those days. This concept of a working class did not come out much until much, much later. So Abraham treated these people well, as you'll see later on in Scripture. But he took his wife. That's a good thing. He took all their possessions. That's a good thing but he took his brother's son. That's not a good thing. Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem at the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram. To your offspring, I will give this land. Now notice, then. There is a promise. There is a command with a promise. Okay, but I want you to notice promise details. Promise details only come out when there's obedience. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter to the new day. You, You cannot think that all the guidance that you need for the future is given to you at once. It's not. Guidance, and you're going to have to get a revelation of this. Guidance is progressive based on obedience. Now, what a beautiful truth. Guidance is progressive based on obedience. Now, you'll see that come out again later. When Lot finally leaves, then God just unveils the whole package to him and makes the covenant and all kinds of things later on, all right? From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. Oh, let me just back up. And he built an altar to the Lord. All right, here's the first altar. Now, this is, and let's just get it out there. Who had appeared to him? This is a theophany. Theophany is a nice big theological word that means a physical appearance of God. And you know what? God did appear to people, all right? And you know what? He still does today who had appeared to him. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So this is Abram's first altar. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel in the west and Ai in the east. And there he built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. Here's his second altar. Okay? And called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now, there was a famine in the land. So, Abram went down to Egypt and sojourned there. Why Egypt? Because of the Nile River, the land of Goshen. Goshen was like a big... Delta. There was a big delta area where the Nile River came down, and it was a beautiful area that always had water. So he went down to Egypt, probably in the Nile area, what we would call Alexandria. For the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance. But when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. So he uses his wife. Now, you know what? This is not good, all right? So I put a UG next to that. Abraham was a man just like all of us. He wasn't a perfect man. When Abram entered Egypt, the Pharaoh, the Egyptian, saw that the woman was very beautiful, and when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Now, taken into Pharaoh's house, that does not mean sex, but it does mean he was, she was taken into the harem. Now, just because you were in the harem doesn't mean that the Pharaoh is going to have sex with you right away, all right? So she was taken into Pharaoh's house, but does not mean sex. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Oh, so you're going to take this woman because evidently Pharaoh would one day have sex with her. We don't know that he ever did, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh. So Pharaoh called in Abraham and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife, part of the concubines, okay? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all he had. Now notice, I do not justify in any way Abram using his wife like this using his wife as a shield but I also recognize that God is a merciful God and in the middle of all of this doing things wrong God had mercy on Abram and he protected Sarah and he protected Abram so rather than look at the story as a, a story as a negative about Abram and it is a negative Look on it as a positive, of the mercy of God, because you know what? In every one of our lives, we screw up. In every one of our lives, we make really, really dumb decisions. All right. So let, let, let's call this God's mercy in a time of dumb decisions. All right. And we'll we'll just focus on, on God's mercy in this time, rather than so much the dumb decision. Chapter 13, verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all he had, along with him, into the Negev. Now, Abram was very rich. Abram was not just a little rich. Abram was very rich. He was rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai to the place where he had made an altar at the first. There Abram, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So I want you to notice altars in life are a place to return after hard times, a place to return After dumb decisions and a place to return to pray. Good thought there. And Lot, who went with Abram, ah, also had flocks, herds, and tents. Mm. Here's Lot again. He wasn't ever supposed to be there. So that the land could not support both of them. God knew this from the beginning. God knew. God knew there wasn't room for partnership in the promised land yet. Not not forever, but yet. He knew, listen, there's not enough room here to support both of you. There's not enough space for both of you. The land could not support both of them dwelling together. God knew all this. That's why God said, Abram, come out for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. Again, God knew this. See, sometimes when God tells you something it's because God knows something out there in the future. And if you'll just obey, the future is good. If you do not obey, mm, the future is not so good. And there was strife. Strife between the herdsmen of Abram's flock and the herdsmen of Lot's flock. Now notice, not between... Abram and Lot. It was between the herdsmen. It was between their workers. At that time, the Canaanites and the Pezzarites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. He said, let's, let's not live in strife. You see, the New Testament says where you find strife, you find every evil thing. You show me people living in strife, and I'll show you all kinds of sin there. Abram did not want that. He said, it's not the whole land before you. Separate yourself from me. If you take the left, then I will go right. If you take the right, then I will go left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley. It was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Those of you who've been with us in Israel, you know, as you drive down the mountain and you get to the bottom of the mountain near Jericho, at one point in history, that area that is so barren and dead, that nothing, nothing grows, it's just it's just a big sand pit, it's just barren and ugly. At one point, before Sodom and Gomorrah, that was the most beautiful area in all of Israel. It was absolutely beautiful before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. So notice, Lot took the best part for himself. Now, this is where I teach all leaders and all businessmen. Be careful when you have somebody with you who always chooses the best for themselves. Ah, be careful. Lot chose for himself all, not just a piece, all the Jordan Valley. Thus they separated. This is what I call self-choice. Now, later on, you're going to see that he lost everything because he chose poorly. One of the things you're gonna have to recognize in life is that people who do not belong with you always choose to take the best, all right? (laughs) People who do not belong always choose the best for themselves. Partly because they're not a source, okay? I mean, they they know that everything they have, they got because of their relationship with you. They know they're not a source, so they choose the easiest path. I'll leave that one alone for another day. Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. So, Lot... Chose wealth, easy living, over spiritual environment. Now there's a great truth. Sometimes you need to make a choice based on spiritual environment, not based on economic environment. Let me say that again. You need to learn to make choices of where to live on spiritual environment. Yeah, it may be a very wealthy area, but it's not a good spiritual environment. He chose an evil environment spiritually. And Lot said, and you just need to meditate on that one for a while today. I mean, I wish I could preach all of this. but The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him. All right, so here is progressive guidance. After Lot had separated him. So when obedience, obedience complete, guidance flows. Partial obedience, partial guidance. Complete obedience, guidance flows. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, or westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length, the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. So here's the third altar. Now, I want you to notice guidance flows when obedience is complete. But I also want you to notice, you need to experience the promise. This is why I teach you that when you, you choose a place where you want to build your dream house, you, you take some soil from there. But I didn't ever tell you just to go grab a handful of soil. I said, stay there for a while. If possible, take a little picnic lunch. You know, Just take, take some sandwiches and take some drinks and, and go sit in the middle of that piece of land. Clear a little space. Sit down with your family and say, you know, the house is going to be right about here. Right about here is going to be the dining room. Let's sit down in our future dining room and have a meal. See, part of this, part of growing your faith is to move into the promise that God has made for you. Part of, of growing your faith is learning to experience what God has promised you. Chapter 14, verse 1. In the days of Amrafal, king of Shinar, Erok, king of Alasar, Shedolamar, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Gilm. These kings made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Beshra, king of Gomorrah, Sinab, king of Adma, Shebener, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bala, that is Oer. And all these joined forces in the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. So the Salt Sea did exist before Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. Twelve years they served Lamar. But in the thirteenth year, they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Shador Lamer and the kings who were with him came and defeated Raphiam in Ashereth Keranim, and Zuzim in Ham, and Emin in Shava Kirathim, and the Horites in their hill country of Sir, as far as El Paran, on the border of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to En-Meshfet, which is Kadesh, and they defeated all the country of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites who were dwelling there in Hazazan Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out, and they joined battle in the Valley of Seder. When Shador-Lamar, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Gim, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Erak, king of ashar four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits. All right, these are tar pits, all right? What we call asphalt today, but tar pits. So we have to recognize that at one point, the valley of Siddim, there's oil there. And as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions, and they went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abraham's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, and his possessions and went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, who was living by the Oats of Mamre. And notice he was living. He lived where he built an altar. Okay? He lived near the altar little principle there, you you live near church. Brother Eshcol of Abner, these were the allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them. Now notice, you and I look today, we call these people slaves, but he would call them trained men. So maybe slavery was not quite what we think of it was in those days trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. So now notice, you're going from way down here. This is Jericho. You're going all the way. This is the Sea of Galilee. You're going all the way up here to Dan, all the way up from southern Israel, all the way up to northern Israel. He pursued these people. He divided as far as Dan, and he divided his forces against them by night. Their strategy, just because God is with you, doesn't mean you don't use strategy. And this is sometimes what businessmen forget. Just because God is with you and God will bless you, doesn't mean you don't need to think about strategy. He and his servants and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. So even farther, okay, This this was a long, hard trip. In pursuit and in war, he brought back all the possessions and he also brought back his kinsman Lot with all his possessions and the women and all the people. Now, I want you just to focus on Dan here for a minute. More. You know, Dan is one of our favorite places to go now. We didn't go there in the early trips, but we learned a new place and we started going all the way up there. And it is a pretty good drive, even from Tiberias, to get up to Taldan. And at Taldan, we see. The oldest stone archway ever uncovered in archaeology in the world today. And that stone archway is an entrance to the city of Dan. That is an archway that Abraham would have walked through at Dan. I mean, you're, you're walking around in the life of Abraham up there. It's just, it's just really, really cool. All right. Let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
1: by one day, there was a man who was afflicted, but he had the faith to say, if I could ever get to Jesus, my healing will be the proof, if I can get through the door, I'll tear off the roof, cause there's a healer in that house. Healer in, in the house. house today. Oh, there's a healer in the house today. The house. For you, Dealer. he wants to make a way. To make Just a ask and believe my faith. receives healer in the house.
0: Our New Testament passage today is found in Matthew chapter 6, a continuation of the famous Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people for the purpose to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. All right, so notice, God rewards, but there is a condition on those rewards. We have to be a people who have learned that we don't do things to be seen by others. Now, other people will see. All right, so notice, others will see, will see, but we don't do it for that purpose. People see us feeding the children in aroma and, and payatas, but we're not doing it to be seen by them. So this, this deals with purpose here. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. You can't hide it. Okay, we, we, I mean, we live in a world where everybody sees everything. But the purpose in order to be seen by them, like you, you, you put it on Facebook because you want to make sure everybody notices it. No, that's wrong. But to have our aroma feeding on Facebook so that our members can see it and we can encourage other members to participate in it and we can be accountable to the congregation for the funds that we're using down there, that's not a problem. Okay, so you have to understand you can't do things in secret because you need to be accountable as leaders to people and you need to encourage other people to be involved. But you're not doing it for the purpose to be seen by others. You're doing it for a different purpose. Thus, when you give to the needy, now notice, these are the big not-ifs that I have in my Bible. These are the big not-ifs. When... You give to the needy. Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, they have received their reward. Now, can you imagine? People actually sounded a trumpet so that everyone would look and pay attention as they did something to help the poor. (laughs) Let's have a big media event to highlight this, helping of the poor. Okay, he said, no, there's no reward for that. He said, but when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, now you can't do anything in secret. We understand that. That's not what Jesus is talking about. But we're not doing things to put on a show. So that, and here's the purpose, your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The Father is always watching. Now, Now, this is something, let me just look at it from a different perspective. Sometimes you say, you know, nobody's ever appreciative of what I do. God always sees what you do in secret. And God is always appreciative of what you do. When you pray, all right, so notice we're dealing with give, give. Now we're talking about prayer. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen. There's the purpose. By others truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, not if, when go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret. Don't, don't pray to all these people who are listening. That you know, there's loud faith, and then there's real faith. Loud faith is for others. to hear. Real faith is for God to hear. Oh, can you, have you ever been with somebody, oh, you ask them to pray in a connect group. Oh God, you know, I need a thousand pesos by tomorrow morning. Oh God, I thank you for touching the hearts of people to give me a thousand pesos by tomorrow morning. And you're praying that in your connect group. Well, that's called loud faith. You're you're spiritually hinting for people to give you money. That, that's loud faith. That's not real faith. Loud faith is a prayer for other people to hear. Real faith is a prayer for God to hear. He said, but when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Now, we, we talked about that some last weekend in our prayer service. Do not heap up empty phrases. Oh, God, 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 God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, most holy one, most holy one, most holy have you ever listened to how some people pray? They don't know what to say. So they heap up empty phrases, just just piles and piles of empty phrases. For they think they will be heard for their many words. God hears the hearts. Sometimes you just have a few words. Do not be like them. Why? For your father knows what you need before you ask him. <laughs> I like that. God knows our need. Beloved, God knows every single thing that you need right now. He knows every bill that's not paid. He knows. And sometimes you just, you know, we come and we we bring these requests before the Lord, but you also have to remember that he knows. (laughs) Pray then like this. Now, here's the beautiful Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, there's relationship with God and with the family of God. Hallowed be your name, there's worship. Here's the beautiful pattern of prayer. Your kingdom come, God's authority. Your will be done, God's will, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. These are requests in advance. Now remember, the daily bread was a, a military word, okay? It's the bread given to a soldier the day in advance. You can't stop in the middle of a battle or stop in the middle of a forced march and feed everybody. So every night when they would camp, their officers would give them their food for the next day so that they could just keep marching and eating at the same time. So God, folks, here's the truth. Pray to live out of your bodega. You pray so that there's always food in the cupboard. There's always food in your bodega. You pray that there's always money in your bank account. So that the needs, this is how you live without need, okay? Because the money's always there. When the bill arrives, the money's there. This is prayer for things that you need in advance. Forgive us our debts. This is our sin. This is daily cleansing. as we have also forgiven our debtors. This is our accountability to forgive. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Another translation says the evil one. All right, This is living free from sin. Now, all of this is beautiful. I mean, if I move through this quickly, it's because we've taught it so much, and I'm about to start teaching the whole thing again in the Friday night prayer services. We, we pray, Lord, okay, forgive me the sins. Every day you ask God, well, no, Pastor Samuel, that's living with a consciousness of sin. No, the Apostle John said, if we say we have no sin, then the truth of God is not in us, and we make God out to be a liar. Notice he includes himself in that every day. We've, we've been forgiven, but we've been walking around, and as Jesus would say, we need our feet washed. Every day we come to him for daily cleansing. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me. And Lord, as as much as I know, everyone who has asked me forgiveness, I have forgiven. All right. And then we talk about our future sins. Lead me not into temptation. Now, there is a great prayer that you need to learn to pray every single morning in your devotions. You see, I'm convinced that a lot of temptation that comes our way. If we would have just prayed this prayer, we would have never seen it. There's a lot of things we just don't see. There's a lot of things we just never notice that God directs our life in a way that that there's things that we don't even pay attention to. We we don't even notice it. We were just five minutes too late or we were 30 seconds too early. He guides us every single day and he leads us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, deliver us from the evil one, deliverance from Satan. And then he continues. For if, there's another one of these big ifs, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right, now here is a guilt issue for believers. Now, when people come to you and ask forgiveness and you don't forgive them, then you're going to walk around all the time with unforgive. You're going to walk around with dirty feet, all right? Call these dirty feet Christians, dirty feet believers, okay? Yes, they're forgiven, but their feet are never clean because, you know what? This whole passage on the washing of our feet, Jesus tried to teach his disciple, you're already clean by the word that I spoke to you. You've already had your bath, but you just need your feet clean. These are dirty feet Christians, all right? If you do not forgive other their trespasses. Now, you can't forgive people who don't ask forgiveness, all right? You can choose not to be bitter, but you can't forgive people who don't ask forgiveness. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Okay, now notice here's another when you fast, not if you fast. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Here's their purpose. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Well, that's why they did it. So that's what they got. But when you fast, there we go. Whoops. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Anoint means put oil on your hair and make yourself look nice. Wash your face. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. Now, your family is going to know you're fasting, but you're not making it public to everybody else. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. See, listen, don't, don't try to get rich on this earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Now again, notice purpose this is also purpose. God will bless you and God will prosper you. But if if your whole determination is to lay up treasures on earth, ah, moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So notice, nothing can touch your heavenly account. Nothing can touch it. See, This is why in the middle of this COVID-19, there's been such a harvest flowing to your families. You've laid up treasures in heaven. You've laid up treasures in heaven. And the economies of this world don't touch those accounts. (laughs) I love it. And then he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, there's a big wow for me. This is how I direct my heart. This is how I direct my heart. How to focus my heart. Where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. You notice a young man starting to give gifts to a girl. That's where his heart is going. Your treasure does not follow your heart. Your heart follows the treasure. Okay? Your heart follows your treasure. Show me a person who is sowing seed to build God's house. I'll show you somebody whose heart is going toward the things of God. Show me a family that's donating a lot to build a a branch church. I'll show you a family whose heart is going to the Great Commission. Show me where offerings are going, and I'll show you the future of a person's heart. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy... Your whole body will be full of light, all right? But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness, all right? How does sin enter our soul? It enters through the eye gate. This is why you can't you can't think that, guys, please, I talked about this a little bit yesterday. You, you, you can't just be looking at websites and looking at, you know, okay, it's just a news site, so, you know, there's an actress in a bikini. You, you can't be looking at that stuff. That's how darkness enters into your soul. So you, you have to learn to, to put a guard on your eyes, all right? You have, to, you have to learn to guard your eyes. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, if what you're looking at is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is b- bad, the whole body is full of darkness. So when people come along and they teach you, you know, you just have to learn to eat the meat and leave the bones. Well, now that might be true in listening to some things, but it's not true about what you're watching. You know, I I, I won't name the movie, but during lockdown, there was a new movie that came out around the world. It was a very famous thing. So I, I'd never seen it, never heard of it, but I said, Sister Bev, would you like me to download this for you? And so she looks up on a website, a Christian website, on whether it's a good movie to watch. And it's got all kinds of things in there that a Christian doesn't mess around with. It's got magic and demons and all kinds of stuff in there. Now, you know, demons are not for entertainment. They're for defeat, okay? And she said, no, 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 we're not going to have that in the house. Now, what's she doing? She's saying, this is my eye gate. I don't look at it and just sort things out. I don't look upon things like that. You know, I talked with a guy one time and he got himself in trouble. And I said, listen, how did all this start? It started with just allowing movies. He was watching movies. You know, it only had a partially naked scene. It only had, you know, a a, a quick clip and he just closed his eyes during it. And then before long, he wasn't closing his eyes. You know, folks, it's not eat the meat and leave the bones. It's, It's when something has poison in it, Did you hear what I just said? Poison is not a bone. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is a spiritual law. You cannot serve God and money. Either you're going to hate God and love money, or you're going to hate money and love God. Either you're going to be devoted to God and despise money, despise means to think little of, or you're going to be devoted to money and God becomes very small in your life. Spiritual law. Therefore, now because you cannot serve God and money, because you cannot, therefore, Jesus said, therefore, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing? He said, therefore, because you cannot serve God in money, he said, therefore, no worries about provision. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more value than they? Now, God. brothers and sisters, you got to get a hold of that. Are you not much more valuable to God than the birds and the flowers? I mean, please, you've been created in his image. He gave his son to die on a cross for you. Quit worrying about food and shelter and clothing. God's, gonna, God's got that, all right? Everybody said that. God's got that. Say it again. God's got it. Now, doesn't mean you don't have to work, but God's got it. And which of you, by being anxious or worried, can add a single hour to the span of his life? I call this the illogic of worry. Worry produces nothing. Worry produces zero. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the valley, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more? Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? (laughs) So little faith worries. Little faith worries. Therefore, do not be anxious. There's that word, therefore, again. Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Okay, knows that you need them. Where's the other verse up here? knows that you need them. I can't find it. Need to get glasses. Here we go. Find the other verse up there. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Ah, here we go. Here's knows what you need before you ask him. Bring it all the way down here. All right. But seek first the kingdom of God. One of the key verses. And all of these things will be added unto you. Here's a spiritual law. You seek first the kingdom. You seek first the authority of God flowing in your life, through your life, and around your life. And all these things will be added to you. God will provide. Therefore, here's another one of those therefores. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day, is its own trouble. Okay, you got enough to worry. You got enough on your plate today, as they people say. You got enough to deal with today. Don't don't worry about tomorrow. God's got tomorrow. All right. God's got tomorrow. You you just focus on today. All right. Now, one more passage today before we finish up. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter two. Beginning with verse one. A little bit of wisdom to close out with today. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands within you, making your attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart for understanding, and if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, and if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures. Now, notice the ifs. If you, one, receive my words. Two, treasure my commands within you 3 making your ear attentive to do wisdom 4 inclining your heart to understanding 5 call out for insight 6 raise your voice for understanding if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures then you will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god 2 great promises. Respect is understood. God doesn't need to earn your respect. You need to understand your need to respect him, and you will find the knowledge of God. You will know God. Now, if if people want to learn respect for God and the fear of the Lord, respect for God is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to understand respect for God, and if you want to know God, then you listen to His words, you treasure up His commandments, you make your ear attentive to wisdom, you incline your heart to understand, you call out for insight, you raise your voice, for, you do these things, and then you will learn respect. You will understand respect for God, and you will get to know God. This is the path to God. Now, yes, I know it. No man comes to the Father except by Jesus. Yes, 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 please. I understand. Jesus is the way. Yes, yes, I understand. But if you really want to get close to God, and you really want to have respect in your heart for God, and you really want to know God, you just learned how. All right, we'll see you tonight, seven o'clock.